Hey everybody, welcome to Thumbnail, a visual arts podcast. I'm Joe Roshert, illustrator, animator, and adjunct professor. And I'm Louis Rosignal, visual artist, and thanks for joining us. We're going to be doing some questions that Joe found. It was like questions for creatives. That's all I, <laughs> I typed that into Google. <laughs> questions for creatives to try to think of what our podcast is going to be. And we came up with this giant list of great questions. They're composed by students of psychology, a lot of them. From California State University years ago, dating back to like 2010, 2009, seven. All these questions are still relevant today. When you do like a podcast like this, it can be hard to come up with new topics every week, especially when your podcast is focused on one topic like ours is. It was cool that you found this list because there's literally hundreds of questions and some of them are like deep and some of them are really silly but some of them are just things you would ask people like if you're just in regular conversation with them you know what's your favorite album to listen to right when you're making art you know so i thought some of these questions are great questions when you're just out networking you know sometimes they're great icebreakers yeah i always like having some interesting questions in my back pocket because i get nervous about networking or talking yeah. or being extroverted. I'm sure everyone at least can relate to that. For sure. So I think the next few podcasts, we might just tackle some of these questions. And like I said, they really run the gamut. They go from deep questions that are thought provoking. And some of them, you could probably answer them in one word. Mm-hmm. But we'll answer some of them today. Obviously, as you're listening, think about how you would answer the questions. And you'll probably get to know us as people more because some of these are personal too. Right. Which is kind of a cool thing. And then also think about these questions, how you said, how they relate to yourself. And sometimes that could help you even with identifying your style, identifying a direction or the body of work you want to keep moving forward with. Yeah. So keep that in mind. We're going to explore a little bit. I don't know the questions that Lewis picked. There was literally a couple hundred questions, I think. And I went through half of them and picked out like 20. We probably won't even get to them all today. Mm -hmm. And then next week, we're going to do some of the ones that you picked. Yeah. And you're going to have to not choose any of the ones I pick. That's, that's fine. The second half, I didn't even look at those questions. Right. So if, if you start from the bottom and work up, you'll easily find right. ones that I didn't even look at. Well, we might get caught up in one or two questions and just kind of riff off of that. So we'll see what yeah. happens. So this is the first one I picked. It says, in thinking about the things that you have created, is there something that you hated, but the public may have loved and perhaps purchased? How do you explain this? I don't think there's anything that I hated that people loved or that even anybody loved that I absolutely hated because usually if I hate something, I don't even post it on Instagram. But there's definitely works that I didn't think were that great. They weren't my favorites and they really resonated with other people. And then there's also pieces that I loved and barely got any engagement. It could have been just the time I posted them or whatever. But I think that happens to artists all the time. Why do you think that is? Is it because... You just have a particular attachment to the subject matter or... Yeah, I think it happens all the time. Yeah, probably because of attachment. I know there's some things that I've made that I've hated that other people loved. They tended to be pop culture-y type things. Okay. Where I was just doing a quick riff off of some pop culture trend and a lot of people identified with it right? and thought it was great, but... I didn't really identify with it because I feel like I've identified with other personal projects way more. Right. Those sometimes don't get the same amount of attention because of how popular that trend is or that public figure is. And so sometimes it's the subject matter. Sometimes you got to take account for your audience and what's their background and knowledge. So sometimes you could go a little too deep with a conceptual piece 
and it just not really hit right with your audience yeah where it could hit right with a different audience so yeah it's tricky i always have more fun with drawings that are just more abstract and less representational and so the portraits i do even though the people that like my art they're their favorite pieces are the portraits and those are the ones that sell the best those are my least favorite to do that's why this question resonated with me but generally when i do portraits i do draw people that I enjoy, musicians that I like, or people that I like. And so at least I like the finished product because I like that person. I did, however, just put out a portrait of Iggy Pop and the caption underneath said, hey, I'd like to take some of your recommendations for who you want to see me draw. And I got tons of recommendations and I picked people that I never would have picked. So I did like Kurt Cobain. I don't even like Nirvana. I never did. But I'm like, I'm going to draw him because he was one of the people that I probably got the most requests to draw. And I haven't done it because I just don't like him that much. But I just finally gave in and I drew him. And that one resonated with people. And it's definitely not my favorite because I just don't even care for Kurt Cobain or Nirvana that much. Right. Like you're talking about, that's a pop culture thing. A lot of people are going to connect with it because they connect with him. And there's been plenty of times where I've made something, could be for a client, could have just been for myself, and I just not like it and not like it enough to not post it anywhere. Mm -hmm. But it's still like sell later down the line. It sells on an art fair or something or the person who commissioned the... I don't know, let's say it was a logo design, really loved a logo. And it's like, okay, well, as long as they're happy with it, that's great. But yeah. you don't have to be happy with everything you make. Or you don't have to also love everything you make. And you're not going to. Right. I think sometimes the process makes me love certain pieces more. For instance, sometimes a piece, I'll feel like it's not really coming out great, but then I somehow manage to save it and turn yeah. it into a piece I love. And then those pieces I really love because I don't know how I even managed to save it. People don't know that, so they won't connect with it as much as I do because of that. Right, that's true too. So the process can be what makes an artist like it more. And if the people that are viewing it, the audience doesn't understand that or doesn't know the process, why would they appreciate it as much as you do as the artist? Right. So that was a thought-provoking question. I liked thinking about that and talking about like why do some pieces really connect with people even when they don't connect with the artist and vice Mm -hmm. versa the next question which is do you strive to be unique in your creative endeavors please explain yeah all the time i think that's a constant thing you're trying to find as much uniqueness as you possibly can we could debate whether or not it's even possible to be like completely unique right but i'm always trying my best to be so that the more unique you are the less competition you have yeah and that's just business sense you could strive to be a monopoly of your style you don't want to compete against other people that have a similar style i guess that's kind of how i think about it if you're gonna pick a style and try to do something that a million other people are doing you're either going to have to be the best at it or the best marketer. The reason I picked this question is because, like you mentioned, it's so hard to actually be unique and to be totally different. It's actually probably impossible because no matter the artist, you're always going to be compared to other people. They're going to say, you kind of remind me of this. But there's totally ways you can be unique. And sometimes it's a concept. Sometimes it's a fresh thought or a fresh take on something and i think it's always important to strive for that you could take a style that's actually been used a lot and use that style to draw subject matter that that style maybe has never 
tackled. And now you're unique just because of that. You're combining two different things that have never been combined, right? You're not unique in one way because your style is not unique, but the subject matter is, or vice versa, where you're tackling subject matter that everybody's drawn before, but it's like in a such a unique style. And you have to find your niche and how you're unique in at least one way, whether it be your content or your style or your techniques. Mm -hmm. What do you think is your most unique feature? Is it your style? Is it the techniques you use? Is it the subject matter you choose to do? Or do you think it's just more of a combination of those things that makes your artwork different? I do think it's a combination, but I think your most unique aspect is your voice. And so whatever your voice may be, whatever you're saying with your art, whatever your narrative is, also how you problem solve or how you attack a piece or an assignment. I think that's what makes you unique and that's what makes you marketable. People want to work with you because they know how you attack a problem, not necessarily what you're going to produce. That's actually a really interesting thought. And it kind of reminded me of something that I was listening to recently, which was an interview with someone that casts for reality TV. That's their job. They're a casting director. And most reality TV shows, they accept video applications for people that want to be on the show and you can send in a two-minute video and they said the biggest mistake people make is they watch the reality show that they want to be on and then they try to show in their video I'm just like this person that was on this season that everyone loved. I could be another one of them. Whereas they want to know what makes you unique. Right. They want to put unique characters on the show. They already had one of them. Yeah. They're not looking for another repeat. Exactly. And so as an artist, you're the only one of you. So you've got to figure out what it is that makes you unique. Mm -hmm. Don't even think about your art. Just in your life, what is it that makes you a unique person? Because if you can tackle your art from that angle it's automatically going to be unique. So you stay true to yourself. You stay true to uh, your sense of humor, your taste, and that typically can't be copied. Once you combine all those things? Once you combine everything, yeah. Yeah, you're the only you. If you can create your art from that angle, you're all set. You're going to be unique anyway. Yep. So this next question, I picked it for a specific reason. So it's, what is your favorite color? And then it says, does this color describe you as a person? Which I don't know if I care that much about the second part, but maybe that's the part that's more interesting to you. Mm -hmm. The reason I picked it is because I hate white as far as most artists draw on white paper. And I don't really love that. I don't know why. I've always liked to try to find paper that's off-white. And then it made me think, why do I pick off-white paper more? And I've always liked when you see people that draw with colored pencils on all different colored paper, but then you can use white to highlight things. I've always liked that contrast where if you use white paper, then to highlight, you basically just let the paper shine through as the highlights. But I like to be able to add highlights that are even more of a contrast than the paper Mm -hmm. by adding white. I think that was what I wanted to talk about color. As far as color goes, I do have a blue Prismacolor marker. And I try to use a little bit of it in almost all my pieces. And it's just true blue PB39. So that's my favorite color, I guess. (laughs) True blue. (laughs) But it's very minimal. Sometimes I'll make it a stripes on someone's tie or just a little mark here and there. You have to use it very minimally. So anyway, what's your favorite color that you have to use in most of your pieces? I don't think I have something that I have to use in most of my pieces. I do kind of stick to a typical color palette, at least that I start from, and then tweak from there from piece to piece. 
But I'd have to say orange because that's what I kind of brand my whole identity around. The little orange house logo. But it's not like a bright orange, like a hunter orange. No, it's uh, like a warm. Yeah, it's warm. It's muted. slightly muted, desaturated a bit. I'm looking at it in the back. But still bright. Yeah, there's definitely some white in that orange. Yeah, kind of reminds me of like creamsicle. <laughs> yeah, it's very close to that. Yeah, I like that color actually a lot. And I do use that in some of my work too. I like muted colors more than really bright colors. I think when you're using bright colors, you have to be pretty minimal with them and use them sparingly. I tend to think the same way. I like not necessarily defined as pastel, but I do like white added to most of my colors. Because pastel can still be pretty bright, but that's a much more muted orange. Yeah. All right, next question. It says, what is creativity to you? So like, how would you describe creativity and do you consider yourself to be creative i would think you would answer yes to that but you can answer however you want i definitely think i'm creative i think everyone's creative i think creativity is just a muscle and so with practice and working out that muscle you become a stronger and stronger creative creativity is being able to create something from nothing and are we trying to define it because it's kind of what i'm doing now ripping apart the word creative and just kind of focusing on create i guess do you think you have to be an artist to be creative i don't view it that way i don't think you have to be an artist to be creative no but i think that you definitely want to need creativity to be an artist you could think of math creatively but i think you're also thinking of that math problem like you would art so it's like hmm, same part of the brain so i'm having a hard time finding that have you ever written a paper for school and you don't really know the topic that well and so you're just bsing your way through the whole thing don't you think Mm -hmm. that requires creativity (laughs) (laughs) i think a lot of right a lot of creativity is being able to make connections between things and they could be bullshit connections right like when you're kind of bullshitting through a paper and how you're connecting the title of the book to politics that's what i'm thinking to everyday yeah i just feel like creativity comes in so many different forms and my wife will tell me oh i'm not creative at all but i see her do lots of things that i would consider to be creative but she's viewing it as drawing or, or painting or sculpting but she does knitting and she does a lot with using like sea glass and making little pictures out of them but she also does a lot of creative thinking at work with how she manages people and right how she markets the spa that she works at. So I I feel like creativity is something that everybody has it in some way or another. They just have to figure out where it lies for them and what's their strong suit. I think what makes it so hard for me to define is because creativity is so wrapped up in my life and just everyday life. So I kind of look at everything with a creative filter. So like, how am I going to organize my closet? That's a design problem right there. Yeah. And when you're designing a layout, sometimes it's just like organizing your closet. How is it going to be most functional? And so you're kind of bringing it there. You're bringing the same type of creativity when you're cooking dinner. Do you enjoy that type of thing? Like reorganizing your closet or rearranging a room? Is that a type of creativity you enjoy doing? Uh, Yeah, I do enjoy it. I like how it feels after the process of doing it. Not so much, but the planning of it, I do like. Yeah, for the most part, I like it. I enjoy doing that type of stuff, so I was just curious. And I think that you're right, that's also creative. I think creativity, it encompasses so much more than people maybe generally think of. So when someone says, 
oh, I'm not really creative. I always push back a little bit and say right. that they probably are a lot more creative than they realize. Totally. And think like if you play any instruments, that's super creative. But then you could kind of bring the creativity of music to everyday things too. Like let's go back to cooking. Everyone can cook. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the act of cooking, there's a flow to it. And then how you flavor something, there's a flow and there's different textures and all these same descriptive words can be brought to art Yeah. and how there's a similar flow, but just bring all that visual instead of through taste and smell. The music, same kind of thing, but through sound. There's so much crossover between these obvious creative outlets, but these same kind of feelings can go into not obvious outlets too. Yeah. Even like uh, there's creativity in being a doctor, being a mechanic, having to problem solving anything. You're always thinking creatively. It makes me think too. I know quite a few artists that do realistic work and they basically are doing photorealism. Mm -hmm. And even though they're an artist, I don't actually consider them that creative. Whereas I would consider someone that's a decorator or something like that more creative. Mm -hmm. So just because you're an artist, I don't think necessarily means you have to be that creative and vice versa. Yeah, I agree. That's why I wanted to talk about that question. I think there's a lot to it more than just if you're a creative, you're an artist or, you know, I think it's that's a kind of a very shallow way to look at it. Yeah, there's a lot more to that. So this next question, what kind of jobs did you have before your career took off? And then I kind of added to it, you know, which ones did you enjoy doing? Was there any you hated doing? And I know that you went to art school right out of high school, but you must have had other jobs that you've done that aren't as art related, right? Yeah, but I could also see how they are related, even though they're so not related. I did landscaping for a long time, and that's very art related in a lot of ways. Instead of starting with a blank slate, you're starting with a yard that needs to be completely fixed or a garden bed that's been neglected. Yeah, And so it's kind of the same thing where you're starting with one thing and transforming it into another and putting in the work to make that happen and having the foresight to see where things go and what are the pieces that have to happen in between and the planning. And so I think that's very much similar. I worked at Friendly's for a summer right before college and I was a server and it was the first time I was ever a server too. And there's tons of creativity involved there where you have to just think about everything all the time. Everyone's running on a different time schedule with their meal and you have so many tables you're keeping account for and if there isn't a guy to make the ice cream for you you also have to do that and put that together and make sure everything's running smooth and it's kind of the same mindset that you have every day now but I'm just not doing the physical labor part of it. What was your favorite job that you ever had and what was your least favorite? Before anything art? Yeah you can include art related jobs that were for other people not freelance stuff, but if you actually work yeah. doing graphic design in a firm, you know, anything like that you can include. I'm just curious, what was your least favorite and what was your favorite job you've done? So before anything art related, I loved landscaping because it was an accomplishment at the end of every day. Right. I hated friendlies <laughs> because it felt like a hamster wheel where there was never an accomplishment at the end of the day. Yep. Like, sure, there's little accomplishments like throughout the day. The biggest I ever really got was that table's done and I got a tip. That was 
the tiny shot of dopamine you get. But even landscaping, I made far less money, but it was way more rewarding. And so then as soon as I did anything art-related, even in its slightest, it just blew anything out of the water. Yeah. As far as being better. And then you just raise that bottom rung of your ladder, and you just keep stepping up until better, better, better jobs. I feel like when I catch myself complaining or when I'm complaining about something trivial that happened during my work day i have to remember to put that into perspective yeah every time i have a day where i'm not enjoying my work as much i think of some of the jobs that i had that i just hated and then i'm happy again because Mm -hmm. when you put things into perspective so i've done waiting tables too and i actually didn't mind waiting tables i think i kind of like the idea of not knowing how much money you're going to make it's kind of like gambling a little bit or something like oh i (laughs) might make hardly anything tonight but i could you know and some nights you'd come home with a ton of money i waited tables at a movie theater and i still have nightmares of that job today because i'd have the whole theater to myself so sometimes you'd have 20 to 25 tables at once wow and it was nuts you had other people that brought the food out for you and then you did have two hour stretch to kind of get everyone squared away while the movie was playing but man that was stressful and so sometimes i'll have a nightmare that i'll have like a full theater full of people and they all came in at the exact same time and they're all ordering tons of food and then i go to the first table and they're taking like their time asking all sorts of questions about the menu and everyone else is waiting for me and i can't get away from that table (laughs) so the fact that i have nightmares about it makes me feel like it was one of my least favorite jobs oh yeah totally but my least favorite job that i hated i worked in a garage and i did oil changes and tire rotations and basically things like that that you could give to someone that doesn't know a lot about cars i got the job they were gonna train me to do everything like learn how to be a mechanic and i was excited at first because i thought it'll be cool to learn how to work on a car and after a few days i realized i just hated the job because the type of people that work on cars they're very nice down-to-earth people but i just don't have a lot in common with them Mm -hmm. and the things they talked about were just things i just didn't care about that much i don't know i like to be around people that I have at least some things in common with. And so I found it hard because they were all kind of, not to be mean, they were rednecks. I mean, they talked about like hunting and fishing and all sorts of things that I just didn't know that much about. And so when you're doing a job like that, that's so repetitive, at least if you have people that you enjoy working with, it can make it better. But Mm -hmm. I feel like I had a job I hated and the people, I didn't hate the people. I don't want to be mean because they were very nice. Mm -hmm. I just didn't have anything in common with them. They weren't the type of people I would normally hang out with. Yeah. Makes a difference when you're working. That's probably why I uh, don't work around anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Being an artist, that's how it is. Like I said last week, I enjoy these podcasts because it gives me a chance to at least talk with someone and we can talk about a lot of the things that we deal with that are similar because we both have such similar jobs. Right. This is a weird one. What was the biggest opposing force that you encountered on your creative journey? So was there anything that got in your way or held you back or stumbling block, anything like that? Do you have anything that comes right to the top of your mind or is that something that you have to think about? Something does come to the top of my mind, but it's not particularly nice. Is there a way you can put it in a nice way? (laughs) Yeah, I don't want you to have to throw somebody or under the bus or anything like that in order to answer the question. We can move to the next question if that's the case. No, I think I could find a way around this. So it's so important. We keep saying this even today. It's so important to stay true to yourself and what you want. Mm -hmm. I knew like even when I was first starting my career, I graduated and I really, really loved 
freelancing and the rush of finding the gig and doing the gig, getting paid for it, the ups and downs, I absolutely loved. And it's what I've been doing ever since. Yeah. But I've always had this thought in the back of my head because it was put there by someone else. And this thought was that I need a job, like a job job that pays me a salary that pays my health insurance Mm -hmm. and that's what you need and i never liked so you get some freedom from that but you give up so much of your freedom right you give up your time you give up your you give up your brain even to this organization whatever that may be and now they own all the stuff you're thinking about and when you realize and know the true value of your thoughts that takes a toll real fast it's like I don't want anyone to know what I'm thinking now because I'm working for this person right? or this company. And now I have to keep all these thoughts in my back pocket for when I am not working for them eventually and doing it myself. And so like, just having that mindset that you have to work a certain way, you have to work for a company, that's the biggest roadblock that I hit in my career. And as soon as I let that go and was like, you can do this yourself, it's not traditional, but you could pay your own insurance, you could pay for all the food you need, and you can make your own projects, get your own work coming in. Once you realize that your growth potential is exponential and endless, yeah, and you don't have to get caught up with the traditional life of getting a job, working a five to nine for someone else. So the opposing force would be just that idea of having to get a regular job and fighting against that? Yeah, the idea, the pressure, and the wondering if that is actually the right way, the constant thought, like it's just like wasting brain space. And now I'm spending hours looking on job searches to even like find the job that I think would fit right and endless applying to jobs that I knew wouldn't fit right to begin with. And I could have spent hundreds and hundreds of hours that could have been spent on something else that could have made me 100 times more money. I think that that's something that most artists deal with in some way. Yeah. Because I would have said self-doubt for mine, which I think actually runs pretty parallel to that or even just the thought like that maybe this isn't the right path and there's a better way for me to make a living. But would you enjoy it as much? And I think everyone has those types of feelings and thankfully you didn't let them mold what you chose to do because you might be working a nine to five and making steady money that you could rely on. But if you were so unhappy and unfulfilled, is that even worth it, right? How much would you pay for the freedom you have now? Yeah. And is that job that you could have got worth that? Or what would you give it up for? You know, if someone offered you a job that you hated, that was a million dollars a year salary. Is that worth it to you? Right. Maybe for a year. Yeah. It's the things I would think. Right. You're not going to do it for the rest of your life. That's just not worth giving that up. I would still think, oh, that would be a great way to jumpstart what I'm doing now or to bring what I'm doing now to a different level. I would still think that this is my end game. Yeah. My current situation is still my current end game. And so, yeah, what do you want your end game to be? Yeah. And why waste time? I like it. I like it. Hey, I, I got a question that's not on this list for you, mm-hmm. but do you know how to solve a Rubik's Cube? Have you ever done them? I don't. My brother does. Okay. Then this is a good question because I heard it as a would you rather the other day and it was thought provoking. If you had to be put in prison, right? Let's say solitary confinement. Would you rather be put in prison for six months or you're only in there until you can solve the Rubik's Cube and then they let you out? How much confidence do you have in yourself that you could do it in less than six months is basically the question. I wouldn't be able to do it without knowing the specific algorithms. Yeah. 
because I know once you memorize those, it's easy. But could I have figured out those algorithms myself? Hell no. Six months, 24 hours a day. I feel like if no. I picked the six months, all I would do is sit there and think, I could be out already if I taken the other one. Maybe I would have been able to. But at the same time, you might not be. You might be stuck in there for life. <laughs> no, I totally picked the six months and then just use the six months to think about all the stuff I'm going to make and all the plans that I would have time like that is really valuable think yeah. about all the things you wouldn't have to think about and so i can only imagine the ideas that i would think about yeah if they stuck you in there for six months and then they gave you a rubik's cube anyway i feel like i'd be like i don't even want to try it because if i figure it out i'll be so mad at myself right yeah <laughs> for the rest of your life you could never try it yeah or like even try to learn it you know? Imagine if you took the six months and then they gave you a Rubik's Cube and you figured it out in like a week. Right. <laughs> You'd be so mad. <laughs> That's all I picture happening. <laughs> I thought it was a good would you rather. Usually they're, I don't know, stupid ones where it's like, I wouldn't pick either of those. Those are awful, but I like that one. Yeah, that's funny. All right. I like that. Here's the next one. If you had a chance to live during a different artistic movement other than now, which would you choose? I guess I can answer this one first. I think I would like to live during the Cubist movement. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. I like the way that Picasso was thinking with drawing pictures of people from different angles. But in the one picture, you can see different planes and different angles. That's why their faces are messed up. I like that idea. And so many people use those same ideas in their art today. But to live during that period when it was so new and to be able to really experiment and be on the forefront of that, I think would be really cool. Right. Would you think it'd be easier to be unique then? Oh, for sure. Imagine if you knew what you know now and you went back 100 years, you could so easily be a unique artist because you could just copy what artists you know are doing today and you'd be so far ahead of your time. Right. <laughs> it's like that movie where the guy wakes up and nobody knows who the Beatles are. Yeah. And so he just rewrites all their songs. I feel like you could do that if you went back 100 years, but you had the same knowledge that you have now. Or like the beginning of animation, I think is fascinating. And so if, if you're in a time like right before when animation was discovered or really practiced, how would ancient Egyptians feel about the concept of animation? Really? How would that look? What would they be able to do with that if that was shown to them? Or for all we know, they did do that. And it was just like on papyrus paper that flip, like a flip book. last the test of time. Right. That's true. I wouldn't see why not. I wonder when the first flip book was made. Right. Because that's really the first animation, right? Totally, yeah. But you're right. I, I mean, I don't know if it was done on that type of paper, if it would even work, but who knows? <laughs> like, it might be one of those things where there, you could Google it and find out when it was, or nobody even knows who the first person to make one of those. Right. So that's another interesting choice, too, the beginning of animation to live during that. Yeah. Especially if you know what you know now, because you could be, like, way ahead of the curve. It's so interesting because you're discovering so much, and... That's another time where people really start to learn how to see and to really see. So not just see a still image, but how things move to a timeline. Paying attention to just natural movements of things and natural physics yeah. is fascinating. Yeah. I think one more question is good for today. What do you think? Yeah. All right. I'm trying to pick the best one out of these. Do you have a silly one? I have two more. One silly. And then we'll do a, a less silly one right after. Yeah. So this is the one we kind of joked about when we were talking before the podcast. If your work was edible, what would it taste like? 
there's was another one if your work was a smell what would it smell like so you can kind of riff on both of them if you want because they're so similar i think it'd be fun to answer the question about the other person's art so you tell me what you think your art would taste like and then i'll tell you what i think your art would taste like okay well i think mine would be pretty sweet with maybe a little bit of a tang to it i imagine it being hmm, it'd probably be similar to a gusher (laughs) i'm not even kidding before you even started talking, I was thinking Starburst for your work. Oh my goodness, that's funny. And that's pretty similar to what you said. That is pretty similar. So that's chewy, fruity, sweet, but then like a surprise middle that's yeah. gooey. You know, that's, I think that's funny because a lot of my work sometimes has a weird twist to it or a funky flavor, but it's always always sweet. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's probably how I would describe it. Starburst is good too. That's funny. That's what I thought of. It's funny that you said Gushers. I was kind of hoping you would say something totally different so that mine would be more of a contrast to what you said, but it really was, that's what I was pretty much thinking. That's funny. I was thinking- How would would you describe yours? It's such a hard question. I was kind of thinking maybe some loaded nachos with, (laughs) with some jalapenos. You know, it's like a little gritty and maybe spicy. I don't know. It's a weird question. Yeah, definitely something with grit. And I like the idea of it being like nachos because the base is kind of the off-white that you use so much as your background. And then the color that you do put on there, it isn't a ton of color, but it's purposeful color. So you get like those reds and those greens or on top for like the peppers. And yeah, I think that's a great analogy for that. And then you could always dip it into something spicy when you need a little bit more oomph. Yeah, I think that's what I would pick. Nachos is a great answer for that. It's such a weird question. But it is funny that we both came up with foods pretty easily. I guess I just started thinking with your work. Yeah. What does it remind me of? And then I was thinking it's kind of more sweet. So that's why I picked candy and you thought the same thing. So Hmm. I wonder how this will influence things moving forward now i kind of want to just have a giant box of gushers in the studio there you go when someone comes over throw them a bag of gushers and just see if they react to the work differently or like can you imagine every time you bring out a client like a big commission project or whatever you meet with them and they always meet for nachos and you talk about your work over nachos i feel like get them in the mood for it get them in the mood yeah (laughs) my work is gonna be just like these nachos (laughs) awesome I like nachos, so I'm happy with that. I like Starburst yeah. too, though. Yeah, I like Gushers more. I liked Starburst a lot as a kid, but then I started transitioning away from the sweetness and wanted more just like chocolatey yeah. stuff instead. Have you ever had Bonkers? I don't even think they make them anymore, but when I was younger, that was a big candy that was kind of similar to Starburst. I don't know if I have. I remember their commercials were really popular during like saturday morning cartoons they were aimed Mm -hmm. at kids and it was this crazy woman and these giant pieces of fruit would like fall on her it was really stupid (laughs) but i think it's kind of like a late 80s early 90s type candy that you can't find anymore Hmm. what about certs you remember those mints oh yeah you can't (laughs) find them anywhere anymore i don't know what (laughs) happened to them That's one of my favorite things to do is go on Google and type in like 80s and 90s food that no longer exists and be like, oh, I remember that stuff. Right. Or advertising mascots that used to exist. Yeah. So the last question, this is the really the last question. And this is something that I think is different for both of us because you actually do teach. But the question is, could you teach what you do? And I know you teach, but you have a specific syllabus, so I don't know if you would even consider your teaching job, if you're teaching exactly what you think that you do when you're in your studio or if it's something different. Yeah, I don't teach what I do, and I try not to teach 
what I do in the classroom because then I'm just trying to make mini me's and it's not doing anyone any good. So I try really hard to critique and guide individuals towards their individual path. Right. But could I teach someone what I do? Um, People could mimic my style for sure. And you could teach them how to. Obviously, you know more than anybody how to do it. And I could teach them how I think, but would we come up with the same results? No. Even if they had the same characters, you know? It's also interesting where a lot of what I do is making characters that can be repeatable. Mm -hmm. Not just for me, but if I were to give a character sheet to someone else, would they be able to understand the character enough to draw themselves? Yeah. A lot of times I'm trying to do that. And in that sense, it can be repeatable. But in order to really teach someone to do what I do, they would have to also do everything else I do, right? And Well, that's true, too. Combine everything together. I guess what about if you were just to take like one piece of artwork you've done? Mm-hmm. Could you teach someone to do that artwork exactly like you did it without tracing it? Where they're actually walking through the same steps that you did? Because I kind of feel like it depends on the student. I feel like if you gave me a good enough student, then I definitely could do that. In that circumstance, are you just copying a piece? But you're walking them through the actual techniques so that they can copy it in a way that it turns out just like yours. Because just looking at an art piece and trying to make something that looks like it, you don't know where they started. You don't know maybe how they layered things. So to actually know how they did it, you'd be more likely to get the piece to look exactly like it, right? Mm. I don't know. I think you could get close. Yeah. But you can't teach how shaky my hand naturally is. Well, that's true. Or like the weird crick in my shoulder, you know, and that shows up. That shows up in your line work. It's a fingerprint in some aspects. Yeah. I guess you're never going to teach anybody to be you. I guess that's the whole point of being unique, right? Is you want to say no to that, (laughs) I guess. Yeah. When I think of teaching or anything or any topics or subjects, I always think unless I know a topic enough where I feel I could teach it, then I probably shouldn't have that strong of opinions about it. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like you see people all the time online arguing with people about things and their opinions are so strong and you wonder how knowledgeable they even are on the subject. And Mm -hmm. so I try not to argue with people unless I'm really confident that I know the subject that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But I feel like most people don't care how well they know anything. They're willing to have strong opinions on every subject. Right. (laughs) so i feel like teaching that's actually a good measuring stick for yourself could i teach this and if not maybe i'm not as good or as knowledgeable as i thought i was right i could teach the process that i do yeah but i don't think someone can do what i do exactly no they could never be you right but you could teach so i was just curious can you teach what you do it's an interesting scenario if you looked at the animation industry you kind of have to teach people what you do and how you do it because it has to look the same. And there's not just one person working on it. Well, also, they were using like a lot of computer programs and those need to be taught. You need to learn how to use those. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a good point. The less of the artist's actual hand that's involved when it's more digital, I feel like those are easier to teach because you're just learning the program more. I'd say so, too. And then once the processes are in place... It's a little bit more easy to teach. Well, I think these were fun. I still have 10 questions I marked down that I haven't even got to. There's still a ton more. So maybe next week you can choose some of your favorites and we can get into them. Yeah, sounds good. And I hope you pick a mix of silly ones and serious ones. I think this was fun. We got to 
go all over the place today. Yeah, and hopefully that peeled back the curtain a little bit of who we are as artists and people too and yeah. what we like and don't like. So yep. hope that was helpful. Thanks so much for stopping by. We have a promotion going on in our Etsy stores for 25% off. Just type thumbnail in the promo code. And if you have any ideas for things you want us to talk about or questions, we'd love to talk about them on the show. So shoot us an email at thumbnailpodcast at gmail.com or at forthouse on my Instagram or at Lewis Rossino on your Instagram. Yeah, and our listenership steadily growing, which is great, but we don't get a ton of messages and questions for us for the show. So if you have a question, definitely send it because you're very likely to get your question answered if you do. Yeah. So don't hold back because you think we won't get to it. We'll likely will. So just a thought. Cool. Well, thanks for stopping by and uh, take care.